You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to subscribe to Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Megaphone, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast streaming services. And as always, I'm your host, along with my partner in crime. John, this is the sports guy Hickman doing today's show with my boy Cody Davis, and we just like yesterday, have a guest on the show today. Lucas Braun will be joining us to talk all things Vikings offseason, draft, quarterback situation. Do they believe they can make it with Kirk Cousins or after next year? Will it be time to find uh, a new quarterback behind center? So that's going to be interesting to discuss on today's show. This episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best, and I literally mean the best protein bar out there that you can choose from go to www.builtbar.com this episode is brought to you by built bar also guys and gals start the competition today with people important in your mom's life mother's day is her super bowl right we celebrate our super bowl every february that's what we do well every may is your mother's super bowl so celebrate this mother's day by scoring her favorite gift of the day your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book called The Henna Artist. It's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then, anytime in May, post your picture of your mom or you holding the ebook for Instagram or Facebook and tag the author, the Alka Joshi, a donation of four meals per post. Up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So, guys and gals, buy the Henna Artist today at your favorite booksellers, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Welcome back in, Locked On Texans fans, and like we mentioned early on in the show to get everything kicked off, we are here today with the Locked On Podcast family member from the Vikings all the way, well, not right now in Minnesota, he's in L.A., but all the way from L.A. down here to Houston, just like Robert Ory, Luke Braun, represented for the Locked On Vikings. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Nice to be here. Take a little jaunt to Texas, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, you and your family has been safe with everything going on outside in the real world uh, with the coronavirus and just the pandemic that we're facing. And here in the virtual world, talking sports, the Vikings, led by my man. I'm a huge fan of this guy. I don't know why. I just really like him. Kirk Cousins, I want to hop right into it. All right. Is Kirk Cousins the peak quarterback? Do you know what you're going to get out of him? Is he going to be able to get you over that mountaintop? Or after next year, will you have to kind of move him on from him? Yeah, so the Vikings are set up in a way where they're not going to really have a decision point uh, until the 2022 season. 
and he'll have a $45 million fully guaranteed cap hit there. So they're not going to cut him. If anything, they could trade him and take 10 million dead then. But he's, they're married to him for at least two years and probably three. They do have an out in the contract where they could cut him in 2021 and they would take like a $35 million cap. They're not going to do that. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the Vikings certainly think that he's the guy that can take them to the promised land. They've said as much out loud in, in press conferences and their actions match this. They think Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl. Obviously, the fans in Minnesota are, are pretty divided on that, uh, you know, because of his, his reputation for not quite being so clutch and all that. But I think in a, in a Shanahan-Kubiak scheme, and now Gary Kubiak's the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, with a lot of play action, Kirk's one of the better play action quarterbacks out there in terms of just how he sells the fake and kind of getting the most out of that play action fake, you know, accurate down the field and all that. So I, I think if you have him in the right system, which the Vikings do right now, he can generate a top 10 offense like he did last year, and that gives you a shot. Hey, hey, Luke, Um, you know... This past offseason, you guys as well lost one of the top premier receivers in this game. Um, of course, that being Stephon Diggs. Can you go into depth of how frustrating it was throughout the 2019 season? Because, you know, early on, the early on in the year, we started hearing rumblings out of Stephon Diggs camps and throughout in, in Minnesota's camp saying that. Diggs is not happy. He might be looking to part ways with the franchise, and we actually saw that here this offseason. So can you just talk about the season and your thoughts about the Vikings moving on from Diggs? Yeah, we have something in common, you and I, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, at um, least you got a first-round pick out of yours. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to talk about that. But <laughs> yeah, the 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 season kind of went i mean there was the the kerfuffle in october after the vikings lost this really sleepy lethargic game in chicago uh digs was open downfield wide open like four or five times and cousins missed him every single time so he was really really frustrated with that um it doesn't sound like he actually asked for a trade i think that was mostly just like whispering and rumbling but he was mm -hmm. very clearly unhappy and he missed a practice because he was upset about it all um, and then things kind of got quiet for the most, I mean, he wasn't quiet on the field, but off the field, things got pretty quiet until there was a game against Denver in, uh, I think in, in the last game of November last year, where the Vikings fell behind 20 to zero at halftime. And there is a phenomenal article that Chad Graff, who's the Minnesota Vikings reporter for the athletic or no, sorry, it was A.J. Krasinski, who also uh, does the Vikings for The Athletic, who wrote an article detailing how the energy of that game, and the Vikings end up coming back and winning in the second half after going down 20 to nothing. Um, hmm. And the energy of that game flowed through Stefan Diggs and how he was upset when they were losing, and then when they got a spark, his energy infected the whole locker room, and, and that spark was really like channeled through him and his energy. So I always kind of said... You know, people will say, ah, oh, the diva wide receiver, and that's this whole stereotype that people get really worked up about. But I think Diggs' energy and the fact that he wore his heart on his sleeve and, and he was really the pulse of the team, and, and I think his personality in the locker room uh, did a lot more good than harm. Um, and, and I think a lot of, you know, old school people who are, are still annoyed with Michael Irvin are, are going to kind of jump to their own conclusions about that. But I really think that he was a leader on the team. And, and losing that has value that's just as legitimate as the value you're losing on the field i mean they got good value for him but i i believe rick spielman when he says that he did not intend to trade stefan diggs until the day buffalo called him and gave him that offer 
So if it wasn't for that offer, you believe that Stefan Diggs would still be a part of the Minnesota Vikings today, correct? I probably not. I think it's good that they got the offer. And I, I do think part of it was, I mean, it was the day that, that Kirk Cousins was extended. And I don't think Stefan Diggs liked playing for Cousins. Cousin missed, Cousins missed him downfield a bajillion times. So I think he was really frustrated with that. And then you say, all right, we're on to Cousins for two more years. Uh, and, and Diggs goes, all right, then I'm out. Trade me. So I think something would have gotten done. Um, of course, you know, the, the party line, the, the forward-facing narrative that the Vikings have given us is that, oh, well, you know, Buffalo just called us and offered us all these draft picks. We couldn't say no. But I do think that Diggs probably, you know, I, I think if they hadn't extended Kirk Cousins, uh, Stefan Diggs would still be a Viking. I do think that. Mm. Well, at least you guys had a chance to prepare. And, you know, you, you guys knew something was coming, unlike us who just got blindsided <laughs> out of nowhere. That's in, insane. I, I, I'll never understand that one. You know, I got a quick question about the offensive line. And in my eyes, the most important part of an offense, because if you cannot block your quarter, block for your quarterback or block for your, you know, your running back, and you guys have a stellar running back in Dalvin Cook, then you can have all the talent in the world, but it's never going to move past the line of scrimmage. How many sacks did the Vikings give up last year? Oh, I'd have to look that up, but it's probably less than you think. They got the ball out quick. Yeah, they also got around 40 sacks last year, which is a little bit under 50, um, I believe. And what I'm gearing at towards is the second-round pick, Ezra Cleveland, you know, uh, out of Boise State. In the last couple of years in college, he only allowed five sacks total, played over 900 snaps. Uh Bringing him in to beef up that offensive line, get more protection for Coke Cousins, who you're heavily invested in, and Dalvin Cook. Was yeah. the offensive line a real need to get fixed? I mean, because I always think if you can fix your off offensive line and get some improvement, then you do it. Or, or was it just a move that they just felt, well, we had an eye on this guy. He failed to us. He's a can't miss for what we want to do here. Yeah, I, I really like the, the Ezra Cleveland pick. I think it has a really good chance of, of working out. Um, the, the offensive line in Minnesota has been like capital A, capital T, a thing since like 2014. They had Matt Khalil back in the day, and of course he busted. And then they had uh, TJ Clemming start two years at tackle. He was a disaster. Um, and, and it's only just now with Riley Reef at left tackle being at least average, uh, kind of pulling itself out. I just looked it up. They had 28 sacks last year, which isn't too bad. Um, the, but the, yeah, the line has been, uh, a huge saga for most of, of the 2010s. Uh, so I, I think picking Ezra Cleveland is kind of the heir apparent to Riley Reef. Um, in the short term, you either kick him inside the guard and then move him outside later, which is kind of like what Laramie Tunsil did in the first year of his career. Um, or you kick Riley Reef inside the guard, you have Ezra Cleveland start at left tackle. And that's something you just kind of have to figure out and watch him play and see who's good at what. Um, but that's kind of the big improvement. And the other thing is that they cut very surprisingly to all of us, uh, Vikings fans, they cut Josh Klein saving like $2 million in cap space. And he had a decent season as a right guard. He's still a free agent out there today and apparently never say never on a return. Um, but if he doesn't return, the de facto starter would be Drew Samia, who, uh, out of Oklahoma, who was a fourth round draft pick last year and was basically too, too green to, to play any f meaningful football 
2017 or in 2019, except for a week 17 meaningless game against the Bears. So that is a little bit more of the question mark. Um, but yeah, I, I would say uh, Pat Elfline was abysmal in 2019, uh, unacceptable uh, level of play. And so the idea is that either Cleveland or Riley Reef moves inside the left guard. The other one starts at left tackle. And then in the future, you have to figure out what you're doing for the future of guard. But the future of left tackle is Ezra Cleveland. And then you can shed a big old Riley Reef contract. Okay. And I, and I definitely looked at those numbers incorrect. But I mean, the sack numbers and the offensive line play may not really go hand in hand because numbers oh, yeah. and actual play, you know. Uh, yeah, the, this the pass is my perfection last question. Was- was definitely difficult. Yes. Yeah. The, they got the ball out quick and avoided some sacks, but the, the pass protection was definitely an issue. Justin Jefferson, first round, yes. 22 second, 22nd overall pick. You got rid of Diggs, so you had to replace him. And, you know, you miss out on CD. He went to the Cowboys. Uh, Jerry Judy was off the board. Henry Ruggs, surprisingly, was the first receiver taken. But you guys have a very good receiver in Justin Jefferson. Going into this year, what is your expectation for him in his rookie year? Yeah, it's always hard for rookies. You know, you always have to kind of temper expectations. You get really excited about the first round picks. You know, a top five receiver in all of college football. He's got to be good right away, right? But the transition's tough, so you kind of have to temper those expectations, especially with whatever's going to happen at training camp. Probably won't be normal. Um, But you have... um, you have a, a guy who I think is a lot different than like Stefan Diggs. And I, I think it would be completely unreasonable to expect him to just one for one, come in and be like, all right, we got, it, it was Diggs and Thielen before. And now it's Justin Jefferson and Thielen. He's going to be the second wide receiver on the team. There's nobody really on the roster that's going to uh, compete with him. So he'll come in, he'll produce right away. But uh, I, I think more importantly, um, the way that he wins is a little bit weird. And so the scheme is going to have to kind of adjust for him. Uh, LSU had him in the slot for basically his whole college career. Um, the, so you're going to have to figure out what the deal with that is. Were they hiding him because he couldn't release off the line? That could be an issue, but it's not one that's unsolvable. If you can teach him releases, make him better against press man and kind of coach him up that way, that would really be the only work you have to do. Everything else is pro ready right out of the box. Or you could just say, all right, line up in the slot, then we'll line Adam Thielen up outside. He's plenty good. He can beat press man. Um, The the Vikings liked to put Adam Thielen in the slot because he would usually catch a a lesser cornerback there. You know, not many teams have their best corner uh, lineup in nickel. And a lot of the times, you know, if your best corner is a big physical guy, you can't put him in the slot. So you put, you know, move Adam Thielen inside to kind of get him away from their best corner. But you can put him outside and have Jeff. Now Justin Jefferson is catching those easy matchups. Um, and, and, you know, you can kind of figure it out that way, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Justin Jefferson's future. I don't think it would be healthy to say, oh, you know, you are going to be the Stefan Diggs replacement. You kind of have to temper your expectations and understand that the offense is going to have to look a little bit different, but, but I'm okay with that. I mean, you got a first round receiver. He's going to come in and be your second option right away behind, you know, the all world Adam Thielen. Hey Luke, um, you know, the Vikings over the last three to four years, you guys have been an interesting team. You know, you go back to 2017, you guys make it to the NFC Championship game where you lose against the Eagles. Um, the next season, you guys fail to make the playoffs, but the year after that, you guys go to the divisional round of the playoffs. So with Diggs no longer a part of this team, and let's just say hypothetically that you guys 
fall way short of expectations in 2020. Do you think, depending on if you guys fall short of expectations next season, do you think that the Vikings might look at this franchise and say, look, we tried and this group isn't getting it done do you think it's time for them to blow it up? Because it's like it's been a roller coaster ride with you guys over the last few years. <laughs> one 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 season, you guys are at the top of the NFC battling out with the Saints and the 49ers. The next thing you know, you guys, you know, falling short. You in there with the I like to call no man land with the Dallas Cowboys finishing at eight. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, you know, if depending on what happens this year, do you think it'd be time for you guys to blow it up? Yeah, I, I no personally, I don't think that's ever really the case. I think if you if you have issues on your team, go fix them. You don't need to nuke everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to rebuild the city. But uh, that's more of a philosophical thing. I, the angle on the Vikings right now, it's really interesting because right now both Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman are in contract years, but they just extended Kirk Cousins. It's not really something that you would do if you didn't think you were going to stick around to see the fruits of that labor. You wouldn't really trade away your star receiver for draft picks if you thought, you know, and maybe their hand was forced, but these things don't really seem like moves made by a team that thinks they're on their last grasp or whatever. Um, and I know that within the organization, the owners, uh, the Wilfs are very, very high on Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. There is a scenario in which, you know, they don't, they don't make it through the end of the season uh, or, you know, they're fired out or they're all fired on black Monday or whatever. But I think that scenario requires the Vikings to go like four and 12, or it needs to be a really unprecedented kind of disaster. Um, and, and there was actually a rumor that headed into the playoffs, you know, if the Vikings, they, they went into new Orleans and played the saints, if they lost that game by, you know, 35 points, then maybe some action would be taken, but that it was always kind of the thing. Like it has to go like worse than you can imagine for that to happen. So no, I think they actually have mm-hmm. a pretty long leash. Rick Spielman is seen around the league as one of the better drafting GMs out there. I I think the way he runs the team is very smart. And I have always been a supporter of Mike Zimmer as a coach, the way that he runs the team, the leadership, Uh, a lot of the players, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, uh, you know, Everson Griffin, who they, they can't actually pay right now. And they're probably going to get outbid for, but he would probably say Daniel Hunter all just love Mike Zimmer and, and uh, just, you know, can't, can't say enough good words about him. So I, I don't think that they're like teetering on the edge of this cliff. Sure. It could go two and 14 and you could get somebody fired, but I don't know how many coaches you can say that's untrue of. Well, you know, the Minnesota Vikings were not the only team to lose out on a star receiver. The only difference is one GM was able to maximize what he got back while the other one still has a head scratcher for the entire city on his hands, but the draft did happen. And I believe the Houston Texans had a very good draft. I also believe that they made some good moves in the off season, but we'll talk about that coming up. Bill bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Bill bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good bar, the whole nine but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. 
flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BillBart.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BillBart.com. So flipping things around and talking about uh, talking about the Texans, I have a lot of curiosities with the Texans and the way they're run because I think on a macro level, they're one of the more fascinating teams out there. Obviously, there's the DeAndre Hopkins trade. There's a lot of very curious things. I mean, is David Johnson exciting? What about Larry Mutunsel? Did you overpay? And just like the general vibe around Bill O'Brien seems to be very, I'll go with controversial. But I wonder what you guys think. I mean, is is Bill O'Brien the guy for the job? Or are you kind of, you know, sharpening your pitchforks and lighting your torches with everybody else? You know, I think everybody here in Houston is doing a little bit of that uh, because this is a franchise since 2010, right? Well, just in the duration of the AFC South, as we know it now, you know, we've won the AFC South division uh, how many times? But every team in the division has made it to the AFC title game. That's frustrating. And it seems like a lot of the moves that were made in the last two to three years, hell, dating back to Dwayne Brown, Andre Johnson, a lot of these moves that have been made was just moves based off the emotion. And it does not, <clears throat> excuse me, it does, it does not sit well with the team, with the, the fans out here, with the franchise lovers that go to games faithfully Sunday, even Saturday games, Monday games, Thursday night games. You know, it really bothers us, but credit where credit is due. We did not sign Jadavion Clowney back. He didn't sign the franchise tag. That worked out in the favor of the Texans. He's still unsigned. He did not have over five sacks last year. Uh, maybe he did just a little bit over, but he didn't get those double-digit sacks where he wanted to get paid for, like Demarcus Lawrence. And right now he had to lower his asking price. So we won on that. He's won on a lot of deals that he's made it's just that the reaction to when they're first done is oh my gosh we got to get this guy the hell out of houston but i don't think he would ever recover from the deandre hopkins trade that sounds fair i i do i would say if you're looking for optimism about bill o'brien he has something that the vikings rick spielman does not have and that's that he hit on a quarterback in the draft and that's the next guy i want to talk about uh, because, you know, looking forward to the actual matchup between the Vikings and uh, the Texans, Vikings are going to travel to Houston this year. We'll actually find out later in the week when. Um, the biggest challenge with stopping the Houston Texans without Nuke in the building is going to be, how do you stop Deshaun Watson? And so I, I guess I'm looking for a little bit of info from behind enemy lines here, where, you know, what... What's the game plan? If you are a defense game planning for Deshaun Watson, what's the strategy that actually has a chance of, of slowing down his dynamic playmaking and his improbability? I mean, a lot of times he reminds me of like a young Aaron Rodgers out there. And that's the thing. Um, I'm not saying it's just because, you know, one, I cover him and two, I'm a fan, but there's no such thing as stopping Deshaun Watson. And the only time you were able to say, well, the one thing that I will say that, you might have a chance in slowing down Watson. And it's not something that the defense will do. It's something that he has to overcome as he enter his fourth year in the league. And that's getting rid of the, getting rid of the ball early enough. I have been covering Deshaun Watson ever since what, about 
two, going into my second year now, um, actually third. And Watson has always had this knack about him where he holds on to the ball so long because he is a talent that can make something out of nothing. We've seen on multiple occasions where a play might look dead and he can pull something out of a play to get you that first down, to drive it to um, a first and 20 or, or even for a touchdown. But sometimes he'll hold on to the ball too long to the point where he, he gets sacked. Half of his sacks is his fault. So I'm hoping going into this next season, to me, the only way, the only thing that's keeping Deshaun Watson from, from entering his name into that elite talent of uh, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he's there yet, but he has to fix that one thing about his game, and that's giving up the ball in time where he won't get those unnecessary sacks because I believe it was in 2018 where he got sacked about 50 to 60 times. At least half of those sacks was his fault because he kept holding on to the ball so long. So I will say... You know, once again, there's no such thing as stopping Deshaun Watson, but it if he can get rid of that ball soon enough, you know, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, that that's definitely like the next step. And sometimes you can do that schematically, you know, just get a quick like spot route or something or, you know, have a good check down. Maybe that's what David Johnson's for. But I kind of want to flip over to uh, the defense. Of course, you know, you have J.J. Watt when he's healthy. Um, you, you don't have Jadeveon Clowney anymore. Uh, I, he's a free agent. I don't know. Maybe anything could happen. But, <laughs> so, but I, I guess out, outside of J.J. Watt, who's, of course, you know, face of the franchise, beloved, whatever, who is the person on defense that is the difference maker that defines what the Houston de- Texans defense is? Zach Cunningham. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Zach Cunningham is one of the guys that we want to keep around for a very long time. And it was really a shame that he did not make an all-pro roster last year. He had 142 combined tackles, two sacks. He didn't have an interception, but he had a phenomenal year. And out of the top five tackle leaders in the NFL, Zach Cunningham was the only one in the AFC in that five. Out of the top ten, I believe there are only two or three. He led all AFC and tackles. Um, outside of Zach Cunningham, moving forward, I think we have an investment in Bradley Roby. And he had a very good year last year when he was on the field. Even though he's a nickel cornerback and he does move around a lot, uh, between him and Reed in the secondary, those two have a lot of expectations within the next two to three years. But if I could just pick someone right outside of J.J. Watt, I'm definitely going with Zach Cunningham. Yeah, so I, I mean, the Texans have always had like a a, a crazy like pass rush that they, that's kind of I don't know. As I was growing up watching them, even in their earliest days, it was always like that the Texans had a D line, um, and of course, you know, the Vikings' offensive line has been an issue for forever. They're probably going to be starting a rookie, and maybe uh, Drew Samia, who's also raw. Uh, so that's definitely something. But I actually want to flip to the secondary um and ask you because the way the vikings are offensively are going to attack a lot of teams is is in the nickel in the slot be it justin jefferson who is a slot you know who's their first round pick and he was a slot at lsu or adam thielen who was kind of the slot last year um and you could probably rotate both of those guys in and out of the slot 
and and really attack that nickel corner. So what, what what's the level of confidence that you have in, hey, you know, we're going to get away from your big outside, you know, man corner uh, that uses the boundary and we are going to attack the nickel corner. How do the Texans respond to that and how do you feel about it? I think they would probably just move their corners around. Gary Conley, when he got here in Houston, started six games out of the eight games he played, and he he played phenomenal in in his in his role, especially when he started on. He had over ten pass deflections, uh, and with his new role here in Houston in a new environment, uh, I, I liked everything that he brought here to Houston. So I don't think Roby will primarily just stay at the nickel. I think we'll do a lot of moving our corners around, and we still have a very good young prospect, Lonnie Johnson Jr., which, you know, going into his second year working on his footwork, which he's been doing this entire offseason and getting better. I, I, I'm expecting him to have a bigger year than what he did last year. Um, one thing I'm, that concerns me, we just released Tashaun Gibson, who had a great year for us last year. Mm-hmm. You know, missed those last two games and the playoffs because of injury. But he started in 14 games and had a very good 14-game season. And now that he's gone, we are going to go through a a phase of just seeing, well, if Jalen Watkins is the guy or not, Eric Murray is the guy or not, or are we going to move one of our, you know, cornerbacks that we already have on the roster? Are we going to utilize that person at the safety position? Or Jordan Reed, who we just drafted uh, from Penn State, are we going to use him at corner? I mean, at safety. I'm interested to see what the next safety is going to do on the opposite side of, of Reed. Uh, Justin Reed, rather, not Jordan, because we just drafted him. But I and think the defense would do would do a, a very good job of scheming. My concern, Luke, is just we're going into this year with a first-time defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver. He was our defensive mm-hmm. line coach last year, got the full-time defensive coordinator job. And I don't know too much about him as a coordinator to really give you what I know they're going to do. This is all speculation. But we do have a lot of versatile secondary players. And this is one thing Bill O'Brien has loved. He has praised about his secondary. They're very versatile. And so if we see that there's a weakness at attacking the nickel cornerback because who's there, then I have all confidence that, you know, we'll be, able to switch up some things and scheme better to limit what can possibly happen. Yeah, that sounds, that, that sounds like it's going to be a really fun thing to look at the ta- you know, look at the, the coaches film of this one after it's played, but that's really all I have for you guys. Thank you so much for uh, answering some of my questions, teaching me a little bit about the Texans. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Um, I will say this. Later this week, we'll find out the entire schedule. We'll see who we'll play, you know, for the entire month of May. It feels like we're going to do crossover for the entire Locked On Podcast family. I think the NFC right now is wide open. Mm, you really I think say so? that okay. because I, I, I say that because I feel like you saying the, that to take a shot at me because you know I'm from New Orleans, the Saints my number one team, and I'm yet talking to a guy who covered the Vikings who have kicked <laughs> my team out two of the last three years. But it's okay, John. It's, it's the okay. only thing. Well, no. well I, I, I say there, this: yeah. I feel like the 49ers after this Super Bowl, they had the opportunity to go draft one of those top three receivers, and they did not. I feel like they know who they really have at quarterback now. Uh, and also look at the Saints. The Saints just 
They're not able to get over their hump as of late. That's just what it is. Green Bay decided to draft Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon when they already have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron, Aaron Jones on their roster. Did not really give Rodgers the receivers that he would want it, that he wanted, he asked for. So he basically asked, give me a receiver in this draft. They didn't do that in their first few picks. Uh, the NFC South uh, with the Cowboys, the NFC East, rather, with the Cowboys, Philly, the Giants, the Redskins, I mean, they're a crap show. I think the NFC is very wide open, at least right now in May. And the Vikings can make a push. But just like any top-tier team, it's going to come down to whether or not your quarterback can get you over the hump. And Kirk Cousins has, has moments where he's just like, okay, this is the Kirk Cousins we would like to see more often. And then it seems like it's two weeks in a row, and then the very next week, oh, this is the Kirk Cousins that we see often. Yeah, he's streaky. You got to hope he he hits the right streak at the right time. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it just seems like whenever you need him, and I'm a Kirk Cousins fan, he just lets you down. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. It's always it's a week to week proposition with all but like four quarterbacks in the league. They extended him though. The Vikings are high on him. Thank you guys for checking out another episode of Locked On Texans, where you can find us all the time at Locked On Texans on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter as well at some sports guy with two eyes at the end. I hope you guys are doing a very good job with being safe and secure during the time that we're in. And while you're taking that time to be safe, please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Well, you know what? With the pandemic going on, Gold's Gym has filed for bankruptcy during the Dang. coronavirus pandemic. Wait, what kind of bankruptcy is it? Because you know it's like three kinds. One, you can uh, come back. Listen, I don't know, man. The I'm other just... two is like, nah, that's, that's, it's done. I'm sure maybe they can go back. I don't know. I don't know. But um, with that being said, stay safe, stay sane, stay sanitized, Houston. Peace. See you tomorrow. You are locked on Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.